It has the worst UI, the worst... All right, whatever. I'm not going to complain, but we will have to start over. I am recording. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming you are. I'm not not even going to bother asking. Scotty, 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 I had been excited this morning, but then, 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 I don't know, you know, some, some, uh, some podcasts will do like product reviews and product placements. I can definitively say I do not like this Tascam recorder. It has the worst user experience. The, I mean, it's, it's, no, I'm not going to go into a rant about it. No, please do. Please do. I mean, yeah, this is, you know, well, it, uh, accessibility and all the rest of it. That's I true. Mean, you know, uh, I guess the question is, can it be used by really stupid people? <laughs> oh my god, it's so mean. Yeah, no, it can't. No, but I, I, I think that it is a, a difficult user interface. Let us take a moment to realize how much better the user experience of a touchscreen device with lots of screen real estate and 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 lots of 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 development work that's being done on it to to make user experiences that 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 are consistent and and human friendly versus how many people program the uh, the screens for a single use consumer product like a, a, a an audio recorder it is the the most maddening user experience ever and part of the reason why is 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 is, is, is how many people have worked for it as an ecosystem it benefits from no innovation whatsoever and is probably programmed by angry people in, in, in a basement somewhere <laughs> anyway so i mean how many buttons does it have uh unbelievable numbers i'm looking across it four on the top row and then it's got a selection wheel and four more buttons and buttons on the side and 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 a screen that is completely illegible and a bunch of exit to enter or enter to exit style uh uh you know whatever what would you call them dialogues i suppose i I think i'm gonna have to send you one like mine because it's got one button oh really yeah okay And 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 it's red and you press it and a light comes on and and numbers stop moving and you press it again and the light goes off and numbers stop moving yeah no but it, it has it has a battery warning that the kind of it's illegible to to be able to see you can't tell which way it's going whether that represents three bars or two bars full or two bars you know of not full um anyway <laughs> so so uh, it's a, it's a voice recorder that makes it hard for you to know when you're, when you're recording and if it has any battery power. Yes, and then it will pop up a dialogue saying that you're low battery and then you do dismiss it and then you discover that you're right back at the home screen recording has stopped even though there was enough battery to keep going. But anyway. There we are. I mean, <laughs> it's, um, yeah. It, 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 obviously, I don't think we are necessarily then qualified to be in the podcast business. No, I, don't I just think don't so. think we can handle handle this stuff yeah. very well. Well, but Scotty, I am excited about one thing: is the fact that you're so near and that I can practically reach out and touch you because you're now in California, are you not? I am. I'm in Los Altos, so it was I don't know, it was like thirty miles south of you, forty miles south of you, something like that. Uh, mm. uh, in there, so it's uh, yeah, it's uh, got in last night, so. A little bit jet lagged at the moment, you know, the normal runny nose and dry throat of 16 hours on airplanes. Um, you know, awake at four o'clock this morning, and uh, so, you know, it's 8 30 a.m. as we record, and, you know, I've done four hours of day already. Wow. Um, been for a run and done breakfast and done some work, so, which anybody who knows me, normally 8 30, I'm not even awake. 
Uh, I, I, most days I don't get out of bed till sort of somewhere around quarter to nine, nine o'clock in the morning. Um, that's my sort of normal time. So being four and a half hours or so into my day, 8.30 just doesn't feel feel right. But anyway, there we are. People really don't need to know that. So uh, uh, yeah, decided to stay in a slightly different part of the valley this time and explore a different town and whatever else. So, um, so yeah, so good. Barkeeps in, in Greater Metropolitan Los Altos make sure that you close down early before you, Scotty arrives. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've stayed in I've stayed in other places. I've stayed in Cupertino, and I've stayed in Campbell, and I've stayed in Los Gatos, and all the rest. And yeah, now, now I'm barred from all those bars, uh, so yeah. I need to need to need to keep moving my way across the valley, steady mountain views. So, yeah, I just uh, yeah. If you're over here, uh, I'm, I'm over here working. Uh, I mean, let's face it, getting in a car and driving anywhere takes ages. So, um, you yeah, know, if it's an extra ten minutes drive or whatever, then yeah, it doesn't matter. Might as well might as well see a little bit more of. Of this area, but uh, well, that's good. But hope. Well, carry, carry on. Well, so I was going to say, Scotty, 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 have you already bought your VIP ticket to the James Dempsey and the Breakpoints benefit concert for App Camp for Girls taking place on June fifth during WWDC? That almost sounded like an infomercial. Not at all. But <laughs> operators are standing by, ready to take your order. I have not bought a ticket, John, because because I'm here now uh, and I'm back in uh, late July, uh, sometime in July. Uh, doing a, another trip in June hmm. just yeah, wasn't there. So, but yeah, I will make a donation. You better make um, it a VIP because, donation because you, you know, uh, I wouldn't want to buy a ticket because I'm so sure it's going to sell out and you're going to have a sellout gig that, um, yeah, why, why should I buy a ticket and deprive someone of the, the blissful experience that is James Dempsey and the Breakpoints? Oh, that's very good. Thank you, Scotty. And it is such for, for, for such a good cause. I'm always happy to, to play this show. This will be my sixth. Um, so I know it's uh, it's interesting. I remember when James did it the first year, he was, yeah, you know, he was wondering if anyone was going to show up and you know what people really thought. And um, uh, I, I think he'd um, only recently met you when he did it the first time, hadn't he? Mm. Um, so yeah, so it's but now it all seems like you know you're a, a part of the institution, you're part of the fabric of the week. I think so. That's what well, that's true. Gosh, that's what a nice thing to say. Well, the other thing uh, th- now that I'm I'm realizing that I have to to hit deadlines is that uh, I, I talked about uh, the talk that I'm going to be giving in Saint Petersburg, and uh, they released the the interview that the, they asked me to do, where they're asking a bunch of questions that, that begin with "You're so damn old. Tell us what it was like," um, so I can post a link to that, which it was interesting to, to do. And, and it's, it's always fun to see things in, in Russian. Um, and I, I definitely did the trust but verify thing and asked a couple of Russian colleagues to say, is it, is it a faithful execution? They said, yes, it actually was, um, which is nice. And especially since I was talking about translation and machine translation, how bad it can be. I thought that they, I was, I'm grateful for, for the, the writers where they actually put the original English um, along with the, the, the literal meaning in English and then the literal translation as it went into Russian. But as a thought exercise, you can see how things devolve. If you take something that's been translated um, and then Google translate it back into the original language and then ping pong it back a couple of times between the two, you can get some interesting uh, <laughs> interesting results. But uh, since that's coming up on the 22nd, I figured I should uh, might should consider uh, getting started on the, the slide presentation for it. So, how, um, okay, out of interest, how do you prepare for talks? Do you... Do you sort of write the whole thing out? Do you just keep practicing it and making notes and then eventually do some slides at the end? Do you have a first bash at writing the whole thing and then run it and then keep changing it? What's your, what's your approach? Um, 
Well, I, I, I will give a, a, a thank you to, to Mike Lee, who really helped me um, become much better at preparing slides and, and giving presentations. And this goes way, way, way back to, to a talk I gave in, in, at, in Amsterdam, at, at Amsterdam, on the, the weekly lunch series. Um, and, and, and I think he, he's very good at giving presentations, and I think that one of the reasons why he's good is because if you are an Apple employee, you can actually go to a, a presentation class, and I think Apple's presentations are very good. And and he said, well, you know, there are different styles you can do, and, and it sounds like for what you're trying to do here, you could, you know, you do the hero's journey. Um, so I, I tend to think about uh, uh, story arcs, um, because if I'm going to give a talk that that, that covers you know, something that you may have worked on over a long period of time and you have challenges and this is how you solve problems for it, um, it, 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 it kind of fits well. So one thing that I do is, is I, I think about the talk a lot. Um, I think about it a lot during kind of where I'm kind of gathering. So there, there comes a phase where you're thinking, okay, well, I have lots of expertise and things in this particular area, so I could use any number of examples and I could go ahead, dive in and make a bunch of screen movies. But I think that what I find is, is it's, it's nice to have examples from the real world outside of software that could help you understand something in software. And in the case of accessibility, that makes perfect sense, I think. So a lot of what I do on my walks back, I, I, I look at things. And for instance, you know, one of the things I see regularly is uh, people making good use of, of curb cuts, right? And so in America, there, there was the American with Disabilities Act, which required physical spaces to be, be made accessible for people who are in wheelchairs. And so, you know, it took a long time, but eventually in all American cities at intersections, you have that little ramp. And so uh, it, it's something that was kind of thought of as something only for, for, for people who, who need wheelchairs, but then you discover that, you know, if you are, are you know, uh, carrying a, a wheelie or, you know, moving a pram with a, a child, in, it, it's very helpful to you. So video or, or stills or, or description of that make it very easy for people to understand. So um, it's a long-winded explanation, but, it, but it's type of those things where I think a lot about how to make a point and how to make a point with a series of slides or a short video that can help illustrate uh, some concept before you dive down into into the code or into a screen movie that's very specific to software. So the the way that I end up preparing is is I'm, I'm I will spend that time gathering, thinking, making notes, and then when it comes time to actually making the slides, I sometimes will will make a long you know just start start making slides, start copying, pasting, just start start doing it. Um, I think that there you can there are some people who do it very methodically and they'll write out that outline in text. I tend to find that it's almost like sculpting. You just got to ha- get some pieces up there on on the stand and then you start making it make shape and then it's constantly refined. Um, so, but there, there are lots of different techniques for doing it. But in the end, there's there's no substitute for for spending a lot of time thinking about it, spending a lot of time making a slide deck, and then once you you're comfortable with the deck, you got to run it through multiple times. It's it's very. I think it, the more you do it, the more it's t- tempting to be able to say, "Well, I can wing it. I've won it all the other times." But it's just not true. There's no substitute. So the, it's it's a hell of a lot of work. If people think, "Oh, you just put it together." It's not. It, it takes a long time to to give a smooth presentation and. Uh, yeah, that's how that's how I do it. Cool, cool. I mean, I think yeah, people do it different ways, but there's, you can normally tell between uh, a presentation that has had the proper work done on it and someone who is who knows their subject. It's got nothing to do with the speaker knows the subject, but whether they've planned how they're going to exactly. say it or not. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things about speaking as well is, is you know, I want to encourage people to go in and apply to speak at conferences and everything, because you know, if you, people say, well, I don't know enough, but the point is there's, there's always someone who knows less than you. Mm. Um, if you know something, there's someone who doesn't know that thing. And yeah, we don't all have to be gurus on everything. And I find actually the most rewarding talks um, to do and the ones that get the best responses are normally the, you know, the introduction to something which takes a technology that you may have been using in your app for you know, maybe the last two or three months and you've had to learn it and um, just taking someone through that journey and, and going back and actually you're a good person to do it because if you only learned this technology two or three months ago you remember your pain still from two or three you remember what what was difficult to understand and what wasn't what was easy to understand you and you remember what principles you know you didn't get and once you understood them the technology became easier or the framework became better to understand so you know i, I think having just learnt uh, you know a framework or a particular technology or a, a part of a language that is exactly the right time to apply to do a talk on it not not when you're a guru in 10 years time and you have no recollection of how hard it was to start again mm. um you know, in doing that sort of thing so yeah i think people should be encouraged to uh to to do that and even if you may be not quite confident enough yet you know when you reach that two three four five six month stage whatever it might be depending on the technology you're doing um and what you want to talk about you know prepare a talk and make all those notes while that's in your mind and then wait till you know a bit more and a bit more confident then go do it but you know and i think uh but the very process of breaking down um a talk of how to explain this to someone else can also be incredibly useful I, i've been preparing talks on stuff before and suddenly realized do you know what? I don't think I'm doing this the right way. <laughs> I've had to go off and I've changed my mind in the middle of preparing a talk about <laughs> about something and say, there's, there's a better way of doing this. And, you know, and I, you know so I think it's, it's, a, it's actually equally just a, a, a good learning tool as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I encourage people to get out. If you're learning something now, think about how you can share that with someone else. Um, and, and do a talk on it so uh, uh but as john says it is quite a lot of work so i appreciate that and everyone has time and whatever but uh it is rewarding and you will uh, be helping others and um you too might get to fly to st petersburg mm. or to somewhere else one day to to give these talks um and be treated like the mega rock star that john is when he is in the uh, eastern europe block <laughs> the block which doesn't exist anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes it's uh, uh that is true so um i mean when, when you're doing this now and, and you're preparing does you do that as part of you know uh how, how does this integrate with your work at at netflix is this something that uh that sort of uh, you do in your own time or do you does it gel as part of it with it because it's sort of related to what you're doing now and i know netflix are probably open in the way they have a blog and everything that teaches stuff so how, how does it all, all fit in because that must make a difference to how you do it as well um it does i think that that you know you are constantly developing materials at least i am you know because i always think that that one of the you know one of the values of uh, at work is is to teach other people because there are lots of people who have deep expertise and you can't develop deep expertise in in one area without having you know 
not developed expertise in other areas. And so long as we have a team that has a mixture of these expertises and, and people are, are, are willing and happy to, to share the knowledge, then everybody gets better. Um, and I think that, that, that really is a, a, a fundamental and, and, and good value. So uh, Netflix has produced lots of different talks and, and, and has you know, very, very active blogs on a number of different topics. I, I think that, that tr- you know, traditionally uh, there, there, a, I think Netflix is probably better known for, for stuff that's been done in the JavaScript world because there's a very advanced work that's done to be able to make the Netflix web browser app and a lot of the the netflix clients certainly in the early days were were kind of uh built using modified web technologies and then i think netflix is also extremely well known and, and respected for for what it was able to do to, to to scale a service on amazon web service because you know that's kind of the default choice now it was very new i think when when netflix was doing and doing things at, at the scale and on any aspect you can imagine so there's lots of tools lots of talks lots of techniques for which uh, netflix is well known and the mobile space, I think, less well-known, but although getting a lot better. There are a lot of, 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 of uh, I think there's been a, uh, there's a lot of expertise and knowledge that's been shared in the Android world and an increasing amount in the iOS world. And so because it is a value and because it it, it, it kind of reflects well as a place to work, I noticed the other day uh, when I was looking at a Netflix job site, there's a listing for an iOS engineer and they, they list you know some of the values, some of the, 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 the things that, that Netflix employees do. And they had links to Hack Day videos and they had a link to, to the talk I gave in, in, in in Moscow, uh, so that that to me, I take that as a signal that that what I'm doing is appreciated, and I think that that the reality of, of giving any talk is that it's made from materials that you will repurpose. If 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 you think about it, you build modular code, you should be build modular, you know portions of, of a presentation. Um, and I think the other dirty little secret is that it's possible to give the same talk in multiple places across the world, uh, whether that's down the hall in a conference room or you know somewhere on the other side of the planet. Uh, presentations are are often uh, given, and uh, the same you know on the same topic, and and certainly you can adapt them to different audiences. But once you've gone through the effort of making that work, uh, you you should do it more than once. So uh, you get a better return on investment. Cool. I mean that's that's really helpful. I mean obviously that makes it a little bit easier for you, mm-hmm. and it also makes it more encouraging, and then it yeah and goes with it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's good. That's good. Well, Scotty, how have you managed to keep things from sinking? <laughs> you, you should be on the stage, John. You really should. There we are. <laughs> Anywhere but here. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, I, I think we did speak last week, didn't we? Yeah, because I just got back from Switzerland last week when we spoke. So um, we're we'll having... Uh, yeah, it, it's been a, a week where I've not necessarily got that much done because I got back from a uh, conference the app builders conference in switzerland which was very very good um last week when we spoke and uh i flew out here to california on, on tuesday this week it's wednesday as we record um my son got married at the weekend so obviously that consumed um or one of my sons got married at the weekend so obviously consumed a great amount of time over the weekend and um of uh, uh sort of uh, getting things running and having a good time um so uh yeah it's been mainly just sort of playing around re-implementing the stuff that we spoke about last week um i think we were speaking last week about uh sort of how we were possibly abandoning in documents and going to more of a you know we had more control of the data so i've been basically doing a lot of the implementation work for that this week and trying to decide 
how to best make that work and playing around with different things and trying to make more and more of the code um, work between um, iOS and the Mac versions, trying to, you know, uh, we're sort of trying to aim for, you know, at least if we can, 90% of the non-UI code to be in a common framework. Um, you know, sometimes you're going to need to have little bits where uh, just just the way iOS and, and the Mac work are um, different. Now, see, I'm not. I, I, I don't mind having sort of platform stuff inside source code where it says, you know, if, if, yeah, effectively, if it's Mac, compile this code. If it's iOS, compile this code. Um, and I think, you know, when there's a few lines of code where you need to do that, but most of it is common, that that's good to do. It makes sense. Um, I'm not a personally a big fan of you know having a framework where that is you know absolutely everywhere and almost every other line of code has got that in it because the point is if you've got that much difference then you know split your code down some other way and have a Mac framework and an iOS framework or or, or put it in the Mac app or the iOS app or whatever. So, uh, but equally you know one code base means one set of bugs, um, one set of testing, uh, only one set of code to write, um, and so having written a bunch of stuff initially around documents in the Mac app and then was when looking at for the iOS and looking at more syncing, um, come to some of these conclusions. I'm trying to draw some of the, the code that was initially done for the Mac back into the, our, our sort of common framework. And, um, you know, so it's, I have to say at the beginning, and this is still at the beginning of this project in a way, I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. I, I, I keep thinking that, Whatever decision I'm going to make now, I'm going to have to live with for the next two or three years, if if not longer. Um, and so if I'm going to change my mind, now it's a changed my mind. And I possibly change my mind too often and go back and say, no, no, let's not do that. And I think, you know, uh, once you're further into a project and you know, you're living with decisions you made you know, two months ago, three months ago, you get a little bit more easy about that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, because this is still all fairly new for us, we've only had the product for about four or five months, uh, just about five months uh, yeah, there's maybe a little bit of procrastination going on as well there, which which isn't great um, and slows things down. Um, but I think we're beginning to reach a stage where sort of reasonably happy with the approach we're taking. But yeah, it's uh, but anyway, it's been a bit of a uh, a week of um, of messing around with that. So nothing new to really report, other than yeah, um, I've been writing code, which is fun. Well, that is good. Well, since you're writing code, there's something that I was also reminded of um, uh, about performance, Jimmy, and optimization. Uh, it, I know this is uh, somewhat far afield, but since I was, was kind of telling people in the world that I uh, am preparing this talk, I posted a link to it on, on LinkedIn. And one of the, the, the people who kind of said, oh, that's great. It's somebody I worked with uh, and, and, and talked about of, of the things that he taught me, this guy named Marcel Weyer, uh, who lives in Berlin. And uh, I did not realize that he, his book that he had been working on for a long time actually was released. It was released a year ago, so I feel terrible. Um, and I, was just, I just got it and began reading it a little bit. So I, make sure, I must make sure to, to, to give a link in the notes. But one of the, the things that I, I, that I remembered in you know, kind of jiving with, was that word grooving to, was just, you know, the introduction saying that for the longest time we kept getting such faster processors that people never had to think about performance, but you can't, you know, you can't guarantee that that will be the case. And it's another argument why you kind of, you have to think about this stuff from the very, very beginning. Um, 
And so I was kind of curious about that. You know, if you look back at, at the code base uh, that that you've acquired, are there things that 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 you you saw in it, or that you think that the 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 available processing power, the available networking, that was common? I mean, whatever is it now? Five, six, seven years ago, from the earliest versions of MoneyWell, affected the the decisions on and and as to, to how syncing would would be done. That you wish you could go back in time, or or is there you know a, a radical change that you would make now that you know that you have this type of capability? Or can you speak of that a little bit? The the sync. I mean, obviously, MoneyWell is a pretty old code base, ten years at least, mm-hmm. um, and some a little older than that. Um, and the syncing was done back in the day when syncing was, you know, do you remember those times when syncing was still a big subject? Oh, yeah. And everyone was complaining about how they couldn't get it to work. Um, and so syncing was done um, uh, using a third-party framework uh, called TI Core Data Sync, um, which used the Dropbox One version API. Um, now, since then, syncing's come on a long way. Uh, iCloud is obviously now works, which it didn't back then, which was part of the problem. Um, although, as we're not using iCloud for reasons we've explained in, in the other thing, um, and there are other ways of syncing. Now we're using ensembles to sync, and you know, as far as syncing, as far as syncing data is concerned, uh, it's pretty much plug and play. You've got to do certain things in your data. You've got to make sure there's always a unique identifier so it can identify different records and all the rest of it. Uh, so our issues with syncing and what we're doing with Manuel have not really got anything to do with the syncing technology. They've got to do with the user experience of how you sync, how you keep things together, and how you stop people from totally fucking it up. Um, <laughs> Chapter 7. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is the basic way. Um, yeah, it's because yeah, we're dealing with people's financial data, and... Yeah, You've, and I don't wish to insult users because this is not, you know, the reality is you never hear from most of your users ever. Um, they just get on with stuff. But you do hear from quite a lot. And when you hear, the bunch you hear from tend to have done something that you would never have done. You just assume, oh, well, you're syncing that document. Of course you shouldn't make 27 copies of it and, and, and work on any one of them randomly and expect them all to still be in sync. Um <laughs> type of thing or you know it's people are, are, are doing things so what we're tr- the uh, the stuff we're experimenting with now is that balance between giving we call them power users or experienced users for one of um better word people like that the flexibility they've always had while limiting less experienced users ability to do something wrong and corrupt their data because at the end of the day it's, to us it's a corrupt data file that we have to say sorry you can't do it it feels bad to them it could be you know, you know months of work of their budgets and whatever else so you know the, the 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 actual art of making sure the data on two machines two devices is is in sync is actually pretty much um all worked out for us through the ensembles framework it, it's the whole stuff around it and it's a case of these are sort of like fundamental <coughs> excuse me <coughs> Oh, Poor Scotty, dying while doing our, our it's podcast. The, it's the normal 16 hours on an airplane dry throat thing. 
But there we are. Anyway, Sam can Sam can do some wonder for that and make it sound like I was singing opera or something. Um, <laughs> Sam, please, please, please make sure you put like a walrus fart yeah. there. So that was that was an aria from uh, Mozart's Magic Flute, um, <laughs> expertly performed by a walrus. Yeah, yes. Uh, I have no idea. So I, I don't even think I'm answering the question you asked me. Actually, but never mind. Uh, um, yeah, so these are these are more the decisions we're wrestling with are more, you know, protecting people while not restricting people. And I think this is something that traditionally Apple were very good at. I don't think they're as good as it now as they used to be. But we used to call, you know, Apple opinionated software. And they would take an opinion on how things should be done. They were usually right. Uh, and they would do what they could to stop people maybe on a mess it up. Now, occasionally they got that wrong and they made things too simple. Uh, they couldn't do stuff you really wanted to do. Um, yeah, but these are the hard decisions. Writing the code is not the, it's the thing. So basically working out how we present this lot and how we do it is is the problem. The fact that, you know, the code base is old, I think the reality is most of the UIs will be rewritten. Uh, the iOS app is being rewritten from scratch because it's so out of date. The Mac app, virtually the whole UI will be rewritten, the code rewritten. The storyboards will probably still be used or the zips will come in from the storyboards. The, most of the framework code in the middle, uh, which is where all the financial calculations go on and the things that work out balances, that code should be staying the same. So I reckon by the time we get where we're going to go, our goal was to rewrite about 25 to 30% of the code. I reckon realistically we'll be closer to 40%, but but that's still, you know, as long as it's not 100%. Because <laughs> uh, that would be a bit... But even then, I think taking something that exists and um, and rewriting it, even though I'm not proposing that at all and we can't do it and we haven't got time to do that, is still easier than starting from scratch because what exists still still supplies you with some restrictions on what you should and shouldn't do or some guidance and direction wow i don't think i actually answered the question i think i just answered i think i was the ultimate politician i think you ask ask me one question and i give you a very long waffly answer to a totally different question <laughs> no but i mean but in, in a simpler way of looking at it it, it it could have been more generalized into what were the constraints that existed you know that may have informed the architecture and I think that that it, it, one of the nice things about working on a long code base, or at least being in touch with projects that go, you know, past the the one two year mark, where they're they they have kind of had to navigate major transformations in, in operating systems or major transformations in, in available technology. Um, I think that's part of uh, part of the skill of being a software engineer is learning how to navigate these things, and 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 you can you know, fool yourself into thinking that the code you write today will easily work, you know, the same way in 10, 20 years. Um, it won't. I mean, I think in some cases it does. I mean, I have to kind of tip my hat to the, the, the people who would have written foundation low these many years ago, um, because it has lasted a long time and, and there's a, there's an art to that. 
um, that I don't think is 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 very widely understand because most people never have to do it. And I think when in in the case that you guys are are, are coming up against now is, is acquiring a code base, and you could argue about you know whether this was good or bad. The reality is is it is it is it has it has made it this far, um, and that people are still using it. And it's it's I think it's good to to think about these lessons that you learned. Maybe you, you, this would be a very interesting talk that you could give down the line of kind of how do you how do you ex, how do you extract value out of a, a code base that, that is that old. I think that's a good thing to think about. And maybe I'll answer your real question next week. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, um, Scotty, I think we're coming up on the moment where the, the, the hook is, is coming for us, and we're going to have to, to bring this episode to a close. But if, if people want to encourage you to, to, to talk about the subject or talk about a completely different subject from the one for which you were asked, where might they, they, they do that? I think the best thing to do is to have me um, totally ignore them or answer something different on Twitter, um, <laughs> which is at MacDevNet, or maybe on micro.blog is Scotty, or of course they can get hold of both of us by sending an email to um, feedback at ideveloper.co. Mm. And John, when people want to uh, wish you um, well for your talk and um, put in their duty-free vodka requests uh, to you, where should they do that? Well, you can find me on Twitter as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum, where I'll be reminded you, reminding everybody to make their VIP ticket purchase or VIP donation for James Dempy, Dempsey in the Breakpoints show uh, Wednesday, June 5th at WWDC benefiting App Camp for Girls. John, it's been a pleasure as uh, as usual um, to sit and talk to you with headphones and a microphone, even though we're close now. Uh, but, um, yeah, hopefully people have enjoyed something from that. Uh, hopefully I'll see you before you go to Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I don't know why I'm saying that on the show, because nobody really cares oh, <laughs> whether yes, I see do. you or no. So um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And until next time, you take care. <laughs> I cannot stand this fucking Tascam recorder. There, it's that's recorded.